Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Every year, near the end of January, thousands of the glitterati and the intelligentsia of cinema run off to Park City, Utah to experience the hundreds of films that compose the Sundance Film Festival. And every year people walk away with a, a, a slew of remarkable films to talk about and to champion uh, as the, in the coming year. And this year is no exception. I know there have been a lot of uh, films that have gotten the, uh, some well-deserved attention from many of the people, the opinion makers, the people who know cinema uh, inside and out and intimately. And we're joined by one of those people today, the, uh, one of the co-founders of Filmmaker Magazine, as well as its current editor. That would be Scott McCauley. Scott, welcome to Film School. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you for being here. Um, as I said, every year, hundreds if not thousands of people are huddled around the darkened, <laughs> the darkened theaters of uh, of Park City to, uh, to to discover what the the newest and some of the best cinema they'll see in the entire year. Um, tell me a little bit about your general impressions of the Sundance Film Festival this year and. We'll get into some of the more specifics about the films that you you uh, you like, but what what's your impression of been? Has it been? Um, I know last year they were moving a little bit more into a sort of an edgier, more avant-garde sort of mode with the films that they were accepting. Tell me a little bit about this year's uh, film festival. Well, um, you know, as you said, there are hundreds of films at Sundance. I mean, it is a huge festival. And, uh, you know, after the festival, I'm always struck by the films I didn't get a chance to see as much as the films I did, because I saw a lot of great films and a lot of the big titles. And then, of course, the buzz filters throughout the whole week, so that by the time you leave, there's all these other films that you've heard about that you, you need to try to catch up with at, a, at another festival or hope, hopefully in distribution. Um, there were some um, sort of you know, buzzwords of this year's festival. The festival talked a lot going in. Um, the festival organizers talked a lot going in about um, films dealing with sex and sexuality, and there were, there were you know, quite a few of those. Um, there, but there were also that... Just that Sundance mix they have every year of some very big, more commercial titles like The Way, Way Back, which sold to Fox for $10 million. Cool. Um, and then works in the New Frontiers section, which are, which are edgier and more avant-garde. And this year, those films looked at um, the theme of immersion and the way bodies interact with the digital space. Okay. So there's always a pretty wide variety at Sundance, and this year was no, uh, no exception. Okay, and uh, is there anything, I mean, how many years have you been going to, to Sundance? I, uh, the, for my first Sundance, I believe, was 1993, okay. and I've, I've gone to almost every year since. And, I mean, it's sort of, it's easy, it's sort of a broad stroke to say that things have changed. Is, is, there, is there sort of narr a narrative about the festival? Does it, like I said last year, it seemed that they were... Uh, proactively trying to sort of change the, the, the kind of film they were showing, getting a little bit away from less studio fare and more into sort of edgier stuff? Is that a fair uh, way to put it? And are you finding that 
if that's true, to be the case uh, t- today in this week, in this year's Sundance? Well, I, I would say if there's a narrative over the 20 years I've gone, it's just it's really been the growth of the independent industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the first years that I came to Sundance, um, it was a much more leisurely festival. And the filmmakers would come the first half and see a bunch of movies. And the second half, the distributors would show up and ask them what's good and maybe buy a couple. And now it's a feeding frenzy from, from day one. And a lot of uh, there are um, uh, both existing distributors and then each year new distributors who are looking to the festival to provide their content for the upcoming 12 months. Uh, and, and that was something I felt a lot this year. There were new companies that were announced, a new recent uh, exclusive A24 couple, and they, um, you know, they were buyers at the festival this year. Uh, I talked to one um, you know, head of a company who told me that um, you know, he was solidly booked because he needed to buy, uh, needed to make sure that he bought films for his slate this year. Um, so I, I, the business imperative is, is, seems to get stronger and stronger. Um, another thing that um, you saw this year, however, are uh, what was it? the sales agents realized that there are ways for their, their client filmmakers to get their films out without distributors or without the same kind of deals that have been in the past. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, the rise of, of different digital releasing options um, that individual filmmakers can um, uh, uh, you know can access themselves, like a movie that did that last year was Indie Game, and they did their their own multi-platform release. A film that is doing that this year is Shane Cruz's film Upstream Color, and this was one of the most buzzed about films. It had a lot of hype coming into the festival, and Shane Carruth, the filmmaker, decided to self-release the film and not even make it available for acquisition. And yeah. uh, some people may have done this before, but I think Shane is maybe one of the, the most prominent people to adopt the strategy, and it's something you may see more people doing in the years ahead. So literally completely bypassing the studio system, is that what we're saying? Yeah, he has a um, he has a release date of April fifth. Um, he's lined up theatrical distribution. He's lined up VOD, um, and he is uh, um, he's going totally his own way. Wow, that is a very interesting uh, development. I have I'll keep an eye on that. So that that's um, it. Like was was indie game? Did they go to that extent, or was it more just a, a to the same extent? They, 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 they did go to that extent, but they didn't do it as much before the festival. They were they were open for an acquisition. They were open for for acquisition, uh, open to a deal, and they actually had offers. But what they realized um, that Indie Game was a film financed um, uh, by Kickstarter in part, yeah. and they real they realized that they had built up a sort of fan base that would support the film. And they decided to um, to release at Sundance or to release themselves after Sundance in their own way, connecting to the audience that they had already put together. They they realized that they could do it themselves better than someone else could do it for them. And then, by the way, my and I, I'll give a little plug. They talk about their story in the in the current issue of Filmmaker. Thank you. I was uh, thank you. And uh, by the way, we're speaking with Scott McCauley. He is the editor and co-founder of uh, Filmmaker Magazine. You can go to filmmakermagazine.com and find out um, all you need to know and stay current on the world of cinema, particularly with strong emphasis on uh, upcoming filmmakers. uh, uh, And um, you've been doing, you've been in uh, Filmmaker Magazine since 92, if I'm not mistaken, right? 
Yeah, that's right. Yes. So, well, fantastic. Well, we can. Oh, good. So go to filmmakermagazine.com and and check out that uh, that it, that uh, story. Now, uh, two two kind of different questions. One is, um, are we finding the, in Sundance? Uh, the films being made with an eye towards a more international audience. Uh, do do we do we see that international sense? Because I know a lot of uh, um, um, studio releases now are really geared to an international audience. Is do you see that in play in, in Sundance films? You know, it's interesting. I mean, one thing, and we actually have an article about this on the site, um, written by Nick Dawson. Um, you've almost seen the reverse. You see a lot of international films, um, like films by Sebastian Silva at right. this year's festival that starred Michael Cera. You see some international films that are um, casting American actors and are maybe in English language um, because those international films are trying to appeal to the U.S. audience. But one thing I think you, you see a lot of at Sundance are films that are really about the local and um, mm-hmm. uh, films coming from filmmakers who are telling personal stories, stories rooted in their own communities. And, and the, you know, the great example this year is uh, Ryan Kugler's film, Fruitvale, uh, which is about the uh, police shooting of Oscar Grant in Oakland, California right. um, uh, on a New Year's Eve. And you know, it's based on, a, uh, based on the true story, and it deals with the, uh, the days leading up to the shooting. You see Oscar with his family. And uh, that's a film that um, is, uh, is, is very much about that particular community and that particular incident, but it's told in such a way that I think it really connects to, uh, uh, it should connect to audiences everywhere. Tell me, have you seen the film? Did you see Fruitvale? I have seen the film, yeah. And I, I just seen clips of it. What's your impression? I mean, can, we, can we get a, a capsule review or do you want to hold off until... Uh, no, no, I, I, uh, I, I like the film, and I'm a big supporter of, of, of Ryan Coogler as a filmmaker. We do a, uh, a series in the magazine every year called 25 New Faces, right. and we selected Ryan for that this past year uh, on the basis of the script for Fruitvale as well as his short films. And he's a filmmaker who just brings a real honesty and authenticity uh, to his storytelling, and, and it's just a great degree of empathy for his characters. Excellent. Now, tell me, uh, and uh, I'm also, uh, by the way, we're speaking with Scott McCauley, the, the uh, editor and co-founder of Filmmaker Magazine, uh, talking about the Sundance Film Festival. Uh, documentaries have really emerged in the last decade to become a very powerful force uh, for people who really care about movies and cinema. Uh, and Sundance seems to have been very good about identifying um well-made uh, documentaries. Have you? Uh, what have you seen in that realm uh, at Sundance that impressed you? Um, well, the, the, the documentaries are always strong, and it's always a little bit of the cliche to say, oh, the documentaries are better. I mean, people say that every year. Um, and uh, there's certainly a lot of documentaries that got a lot of buzz um, this year. Uh, Valentine Road is one. Um, a film that I saw that I really liked was Jahan Mushan's the, uh, the Square, about the Tahrir um, Square mm-hmm. uh, protest in Egypt, and that's a film that is a um, an, an ongoing film. It's uh, it's uh, from what I understand, uh, uh, Jahan still has shooters on the ground who are still collecting material uh, 
um, that will make it into the final final cut of the movie. Um, That's amazing. So, uh, That's yeah, great. Yeah, those are two two that I would point out. Another film that got a tremendous reception at Sundance uh, this year was After Killer, yeah. uh, a documentary about late-term abortion. Yeah. About four doctors who are essentially the last remaining four doctors in the country that will perform a, a trimester, a third trimester uh, abortion. Uh, yeah, and, for one, and uh, those, uh, the doctors were, were present at the screening, and uh, the film was you know, extremely well received. Very powerful, I'm sure. Uh, Alex Gibney was there with a documentary um, on, um, no, just had a, what was his documentary on um oh on uh, uh julian assange Wikileaks. yeah you, julian yeah. assange thank you <laughs> sorry uh did you happen to catch that i did not see it although uh i, I believe it's being uh released uh this spring so i'm looking forward to seeing it yeah and and th- that is another thing we, we talked a little bit about uh you know how quickly that's the one thing that struck me the last couple of years of sundance within a week or two after sundance has ended you're seeing him in the theaters now i it sounds like upstream color won't be until April. Well, that's still pretty quick turnaround. Generally, in the past, up until a couple of years ago, you'd start seeing the Sundance uh, films roll out in the summer and maybe even fall. But that's really not the case anymore. They really well, I, you know, I don't. I, I'm trying to think of the ones that would be released so quickly. I mean, certainly films that were that were available for acquisition will be later in the year because it takes time for those deals to go through mm-hmm. and for marketing to be developed. Um, Shane, uh, his film will be out in April. Uh, the WikiLeaks film, I don't know the date, but I think it will be out sometime in the spring. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, anyone who is, who's coming to Sundance without a distributor gotcha. will probably not see those films for the fall. How, how much of an impact is Kickstarter having on Sundance? It's having an impact on independent filmmaking, for sure. Are you seeing the, I think you even mentioned as part of Upstream Color that, uh, that, Kickstarter, indie game, yeah, yeah, they're an indie game. They're they're a big. Are they becoming a you know a, a, an important factor in the production and distribution of of these films? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, uh, they. I think the Kickstarter themselves released data showing that they gave as much money as the National Endowment for the Arts. Wow. Um, uh, to film, so it's yeah, they're, it's uh, something like 170 million dollars um, to the film space. Um, so uh, yeah, you're seeing um, you're seeing a number of films that um, have leveraged Kickstarter to uh, enable their production, and you're also seeing um, many filmmakers do a second round of Kickstarter uh, fundraising if they get accepted to Sundance. So there were a number of films, like I believe uh, one of them was Newly Weeds, Shaka King's film. Um, he fundraised on Kickstarter once he heard that he was in Sundance in order to be able to do his post production to, to actually get there. Very good. Well, oh, uh, Scott McCauley, I, I, I don't. I, I think we're probably impeding some of your time for the day. You, I know you have. You're a busy man. I'm sure there's lots going on at Sundance, uh, related to Filmmaker Magazine and and your time. But can we? Is it fair? Is it like naming your favorite children here? If I ask you, yeah, what, you, you totally ask me. I'll tell you that my favorite film was this film called Escape from Tomorrow okay. uh, by Randy Moore. And it's a film you may have heard something about. It was surreptitiously shot at uh, Walt Disney World uh, oh, with yeah. hidden cameras and a secret crew. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of like National Lampoon's Vacation on Acid, um, <laughs> about a you know father losing his mind while taking his family uh, around Disney World. And it was shot without regard to Disney trademarks or uh, 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 you know, any kind of background signage or Disney performers. 
And it's a film that was submitted to many, many festivals, rejected by all of them. Uh, Trevor Groth at Sundance uh, uh, pulled it out of the pile and popped it in and fell in love with it. And it, uh, for me, it was a film that, um, it, you know, it, it like almost alone justified my trip to Sundance because I, I really felt like I was discovering a new filmmaker and a new film that I would not see elsewhere. And uh, the film... The, the, the story of the making of the film is as compelling as the film itself, and those two kind of intertwine as you watch it. Like, I, my jaw was just dropped on the floor imagining the filmmakers executing all of these scenes. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a really great movie, and uh, there's been a lot of discussion of uh, its distribution potential, given all the Disney uh, material in it um, yeah. in the background. Uh, so it'll be uh, very interesting to see what happens to it. So, what do you? What are you betting it'll get? It'll get released, uh, or or not? Do well, well it, it, it raises all these interesting questions. Yeah. One thing I, I will um, I, I will note is that I, I I spoke to the filmmaker and he told me that he had submitted to all these festivals, uh, which means that there are tons of DVDs floating around out there. So <laughs> uh, it'll be interesting to see if the Disney lawyers try to crack down on it. Uh, because uh, it, these days, you know, stuff leaks out. So yeah. um, uh, it'll be you know, be curious to see whether it comes out in an official release or whether someone bit towards it at some point. Was well, it Todd Solins's uh, the uh, the Karen Carpenter story? Is that is it that potential? Uh, it's that... it, it, it's uh, the uh, Todd Haynes. Uh, oh, Todd Haynes, pardon me. Yeah, Karen Carpenter story. Yeah. So it, it, it is poised to be this generation's superstar. But it, it's funny. I wrote a, a blog post about the film, and I I said that that it was be this generation superstar yeah. and I just googled Todd Haynes superstar to put a link to maybe a Wikipedia page or something and uh, a YouTube clip of the whole film of superstar came up so um, even things that in the past were yeah. you know more clandestine it's now you find them on YouTube well, that's fantastic, and I got to tell you, just personally, Scott, uh, to hear someone who has been coming to Sundance for as long as you have, filmmaking, uh, and obviously founder of Filmmaker Magazine, and the rest of it, to be so impressed, to have that, to still be able to get that jolt from seeing a, a, a new filmmaker, a new film, it's what keeps me going. Uh, so week after week doing the show, and I'm, it's great to hear you t- talk about it in those terms. It's it's so exciting. Yeah. Isn't it? Oh, well, thank you, thank you so much. And if you just, uh, if I can just do my quick plug, yes, uh, the new filmmaker should be on the stands uh, today or in the next few days, certainly. And we have Shane Carruth on the cover from Upstream Color, so he talks about all these things that I've been talking about Fantastic. about his own release. And uh, we have a number of other, you know, Harmony Crins in the magazine, and a number of other people. And we've also just, in the last issue, launched an iPad edition. Uh, so we're in the App Store, um, and uh, you can you can subscribe for a digital version through uh, through the App Store. You can get it on the stands. And, Fantastic. of course, the website is filmmakermagazine.com. Fantastic to hear that. And by the way, you mentioned uh, uh, Harmony Kareen. Uh, Julian Donkey Boy was, for me, in a theater by myself, essentially, watching that movie. I had, <laughs> I had that same experience that you had watching, it sounds like, at watching Escape to Tomorrow. I, I absolutely blew me away seeing that film in a theater, almost by myself, literally. I was in a theater with two other people. One of them had a guitar 
<laughs> sitting in a seat through about a couple rows behind me. He was just sitting there with his guitar and it, right, it looked like he was ready to play. It was just the three of us watching this amazing film, and I, I just had that same jolt uh, from it. So, uh, well, thank you so much, and I hope you can come back over the course of the year. I would love to have you or people from Filmmaker come on. There's so many issues that come up over uh, film, independent filmmaking and just generally state of things. Uh, I'd love to have you come back and uh, be a part of film school again sometime. Thank you. Well, I'd, I'd be happy to do it. Thanks for having me. All right, take care. Bye. Okay, bye. And that was uh, that would be Scott McCauley, the director, the, the director, the founder, co-founder, uh, and editor of Filmmaker Magazine, one of the great journals. If you want to know about what's going on in film, you truly need to uh, check that out. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.